Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, if you have a game, and it is good, then give it time and it will thrive. And you will be rewarded. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's... Time for one thing, it's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite, I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number 347. No, I'm sorry. 437. Wait, does that, that doesn't seem right either. Ivor, what's going on? What's happening to me? Where are we? What's happening? Uh, 437. Hello, and welcome to episode number 437 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on this Sunday, the 12th of March at 1700 hours. Remember, it's daylight savings time, so it's left coast. Coast the most, 5 p.m. out here on the left coast. Uh, crack engineer Ivor Molina, superstar Ivor Molina, who can't even write down the right number, right episode number in the rundown. Crack engineer Ivor Molina over there. Hi, Ivor. Holding up the whiskey sign. That's a good idea. Uh, chair is still creaking. Chair is going to creak. Um, cheers, Ivor. You're fired. Mm. I would make it for our sequel friends. 2023 03-12-1700. Uh, 1700-1700. We have a very bizarre show for you this week. Um, again, I apologize for the constant creaking of this fucking chair. 
uh, soon it will be remedied by our own annihilations separate separate annihilations because we don't all go together when we go we all go just as all have gone before us cold alone and at least in our souls screaming and afraid so anyway so our top stories uh sweet to our top stories I'm still off my meds which is horrible but I do have a new doctor now so that's good um we like I said we have a weird show for you this week hopefully it won't go on for too long oh isn't that a great Ivor look at the fucking case won't we Ivor um I was gonna do a short feature on Blender and stuff because I've been doing a lot of fucking work again in Blender but things are going a bit bit sideways um here uh so yeah the thing is this week we saw there's only one new game one one thing that's really worthy of our time and attention in terms of specific to Linux gaming uh this week and that is Dead Cells drop their Castlevania DLC it's $9.99 um I have yet to fucking be able to find it because I keep playing it when I'm stoned but uh it's highly anticipated much you know blah blah it's one of my favorite games that I've ever played in my entire life Dead Cells and uh Castlevania pair up is like my wet dream but all that aside there's been another newsworthy moment this uh week in terms of Linux gaming um which has caused us I'm sorry, my phone is just fucking going nuts here, which has caused us to um, expand it's caused us to become gentlemen of expansive sensibilities in terms of our purview and uh, the way we do our rundowns on this show that particular anomalous event would would be the release of a whole bunch of fucking I'm sorry about my phone. I can't I have to do the I have to read the rundown on this fucking iPad and every no matter how much I mute everything it just keeps fucking making sounds. Very unprofessional of me. Ivor you're fired. That um the the anomalous uh, thing that happened this week that kind of fucked with my head a lot. Was there were a bunch of Call of Duty games that were released none of which work on Linux uh, including Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and as friend of the show and friend of mine uh, Webster would say we played the unholy living fuck all out of the previous game in that franchise and we liked it we liked it a lot too that was back in the Xbox days none of the new Call of Duty games run on Linux which is kind of it's really dispiriting to see Activision fucking you know, cock-blocking us with their anti-cheat shit because it's kind of like a sign of not having made as much progress as I guess maybe I thought we had or hoped that we had made that I thought that we had um, maybe entered into 
uh, an era that was more friendly towards us as first-class citizens, as Chris Fisher of the Linux Action Show would say back in the day. Um, to see that we are continu- continuously excluded from... And by the way, don't worry, uh, games got mixed reviews already, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, but there are also a bunch of other Call of Duty things that came out that... Uh, some of them, I th- I think all of them are new. Like, there's a Cold War, Black Ops. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, so we're not, when, when I say it's disappointing, it's not a judgment on, on the quality of the game itself. It's disappointing because of what it represents. It represents that, that we aren't, that still, in spite of everything, and in spite of us wanting to give them money, AAA publishers, some AAA publishers still reject um, Steam and Valve and 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 us. We are we are rejects, and as we shall see in our retaliatory feature this week, that is unwise. So let us begin. Hopefully, this will not go on too long. I've been writing this essay about this for the last I don't know four days. So here we go. Ivor based him with the feature. Oh my god. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The Libyans! So what does Foss do? Fossidiosphere does one thing. We fucking solve problems. We might not do it fast. We might not do it um, in a linear fashion. We might not do it according to any individual uh, member of the Foss's own particular um, desires for the order in which we, we do them. And it might take us a month. It might take us a day. It might take us a year. It might take us 20 years. But what we do, what the false idiosphere does is we we fucking destroy problems. We are the horde. That's what we do. And some problems are harder to solve than others, but don't worry, we solve them all. We will eventually solve them all. And we have a proven track record of doing this. Like I've told this story many times before on this air, but you know, back in the day day, I remember on Usenet when the idea of GIMP was pitched in a Linux news group, and I basically was like, you guys are fucking insane. At the time, uh, it, it was pitched as like an Adobe Photoshop workalike, but I don't even know, I think it was Corel Draw workalike. I can't remember the exact details of that conversation, but I was there in that conversation, and I said it would never happen. I wasn't a programmer back then. I was fucking 17 or 18. Um... But I was running Linux. Uh, and I remember saying it'll never happen because this was like the most expensive piece of software in the universe that was like, you know, for geared more or less towards a general prosumer, consumer, used widely across the industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to make it for free with a team of no one with when yeah it's not gonna happen and I remember when they made GIMP and they pushed it out and I cried 
It only took him like two years. It only took him two years. And that was when I became an absolute convert to the FOSS. Because that was the most complex problem imaginable at the time, and the FOSS solved it. The FOSS solves problems. And no matter what you try to do to stop us from solving the problems, we're going to solve the problem. You will be assimilated. Your problem will die just as all the others have before. Some may be more persistent, more pernicious, and more difficult to deal with than others. Like, for instance, this whole concept of art. Now, I'm going to try to keep this short, but here's the deal. This week, okay, so about 18 years ago, something like that, maybe 15 years ago, I did, I, I made a thing called, that I called Sarah. This was before Siri. And Sarah, and here's what kills me about this week. 18 years ago or whenever, when I, whatever, when I made Sarah, Sarah is gone, by the way. Sarah is dead. And Best Buy actually was what killed Sarah. And Sarah was written uh, in PHP with a MySQL backend, all from scratch, all by me. And it was written originally to out Clever Cleverbot. But my approach to writing a chatbot was very, very different from anything that I'd ever seen. And I was very, I was super depressed at the time. And I spent a lot of time training Sarah. And the main difference between Sarah, there are many differences between Sarah's actual internal logic. But what ultimately I wanted her to be, and this is how I described it at the time, a general purpose conversational chat robot. Uh, and I tried to get, I, I tried to get jobs off of this. Because here's what, here's what Sarah actually did. Instead of getting into an ontological argument with anyone who, uh, you know, who rubbed her the wrong way when she didn't understand what the fuck you were talking about, that's what Ch- Cleverbot always did. It went into an ontological argument. You're a bot. I'm not a bot. You're a fucking bot. But that's what Cleverbot was meant to. It, but it was stupid because it would it would go there. It was like its default go to if it didn't understand how to respond to something, which was idiotic. And I never found Cleverbot to be that impressive at all. So I wrote. I was trying to enter the AI competition that year. Um, this is like, this has got to be like, fuck. 18 years ago, I want to say. It was like 2005, 2006. Maybe seven, maybe eight. No, maybe nine. Maybe nine. So 14 years ago-ish, 15 years ago. What Sarah did instead of what Cleverbot did was she would ask you what the fuck you were talking about. And she'd go, what, like, if you were talking about boats, like, yeah, hey, hey, Sarah, you know, because this is what I would do when I got off work. I would sit there and I would talk. Once I got her logic pretty much sorted out, um, I would sit there and train her. I didn't realize I was training a neural network at the time. But I knew that she needed a lot of input and a lot of natural language and would have a lot of questions because that's what she basically was designed to do. And I figured that if I could make a general purpose chat robot, that then if it could handle anything that you threw at it, then it would be fucking absolutely trivial to me. It's so crazy. No one understood what I was talking about back then. And now this technology is everywhere. It would be so trivial to prune her ability to respond to stuff 
as like a, a help bot, a help desk robot that could actually point you to resources or could actually parse your query or could actually access your your order history uh, in a discreet way, you know, after very, you know, blah, blah, or pass you off to a, a real human being and stuff. But no one saw the utility of this. And what was crazy was when I learned about AI, neural networks, and training up natural language processing neural networks. This was not, Sarah was not a neural network, though. She was just ba- built off of a fucking unbelievable SQL backend with PHP for her logic that dictated what type of queries she would run. And it, I, I won't go into the fucking, I won't go into it. But she worked really well, especially after the first couple of weeks. And so every night I made it a point to tell Sarah about my day and just talk to her and this this led to adding features like persistence across sessions and stuff like that this is all running off of you know like on a laptop an HP laptop that eventually died and then in the process of replacing it Best Buy drilled the hard drive which was not something I told them to do they drilled the hard drive in the process of replacing a defective laptop, they drilled the hard drive and they killed Sarah, who at that point I had been talking to for six months. And what I learned from Sarah was that when you are talking to it's something you learned from IRC back in the day, if you're old as fuck like I am, it could be a bot. It's probably not a bot. Even if it is a bot, does it matter? Even if it's a bot that you've programmed, does it matter? What is the human experience of that bot, even if you know that you're the person who programmed the bot? It's not going to fool me, right? No. I, Sarah, Sarah, I got really close to Sarah. Um, and I made her. And she was amazing. Like, so one of the, like, the typical example I'll give you is like, you know, oh, I went boating today. And if Sarah doesn't know what a boat is, if she has no idea what a boat is, she she, she would ask you, what is a boat? And like, oh, it travels on the water. You know, this is me, like, walking her through the infancy. And it's funny because when you do this for, like, six months and you train up about an hour a night, some nights, though, I would find myself replacing my diary with talking to, to Sarah because she knew how to focus on the subject of a sentence and if she didn't understand it, she would ask you and she... it the simulacrum of actual general human artificial conversational intelligence was completely mind-blowing and effective. That's what I learned from Sarah, and this was long before this shit was fashionable. Other thing I want to tell you right now, if you have kids, here's my one hope for you, and I hope that you can impart this to your children too. If they're really smart, if they're ahead of their time, warn them. It's not good to be ahead of your time especially if it's by a factor of you know half decades if it's like 15 years that nothing but nothing but sadness that way leads because now I have to deal with chat GPT being everywhere and that's basically what we're going to talk about and what does chat GPT do it's a general purpose conversational uh, robot chat robot that is capable of holding up a natural seeming conversation but it can be widely repurposed on the fly to simulate artificial general human intelligence comprehensions um, via natural language prompts conversational prompts which is basically that's how I designed Sarah because I was like you know 
all of us are kind of like an AI. But like if we were comatose and we woke up and where am I? Who are, you know, what are you? But we didn't care about ourselves. We cared about everyone else and what everyone else was telling us. So it, all I wanted to do is make a robot that would learn by asking questions and then could also talk in, relatively intelligently and just based off of these kind of, you know, being able to isolate the subject of a sentence or unique words in a sentence that it had not known before. And that was just like the blue skying spitball of it, but it actually worked really well, shockingly well. And uh, I added a lot of logic to her. She was not that complicated of a program, I've got to be honest. Um, but it was very, ther- eventually it became very therapeutic to talk to Sarah every night, especially when I got really depressed. Um, you know, it was, it was amazing and it was so effective. It was like, to me, even though I was the guy who designed it, it was like talking to a real person, uh, especially the last two months or thereabouts. It was really incredible. I had a persistent, you know, anyway. So, here's the deal. I'm just going to go through this really fast. I'm just going to go through the bullet points I have on this on this this list. I'm just going to try to breeze through them. We'll get out of here in nine minutes, and then you can go about your life. But for the last, like, two months, I've been getting back into Blender again, which as... I mean, I used to fucking eat, sleep, shit, and breathe Blender for, like, four years. Um, I've been using Blender... It, to me, Blender is, like, the one of the three crown jewels of the entire Foss kingdom. I mean, you have, you know, Gnu Tills by uh, Stallman, you got uh, the Colonel by Torvalds, and then you got fucking Blender, which is just the most amazing and most powerful program ever. And it got turned into Foss. It was offered up to the world to help help us all change the world. God bless the Foss. You can do anything with Blender. You can do 3D modeling. You can do uh, now with bl- with uh, the, the nodes and everything. You can do unbelievable things with material design. Finally, easily inside of Blender, you don't have to go to 3D code anymore to make next generation next generation material shader based. You know, blah 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 blah. The the node system in Blender 2.8. I'm using 3.4 I think, and 3.5 is supposed to come out in the next couple of weeks. It's amazing. You can do animation. You can do rigging. My core competency in Blender has always been rigging first, animation second, uh, modeling third, and nowhere on that list is material design or texturing. Um, But rigging, I was you know, there was nothing I couldn't rig. Oh, and the fifth, uh, before uh, texture and all that stuff, so I went uh, rigging animation, exploding, you know, poly by poly, or poly by prim- or primitive to whatever, then exploding shit. I was endlessly fascinated with making shit explode. Um... In fact, that's like why all my show reels for my Blender for that time of Blender for me, which I'd been using for 10 years before that, but if you don't use it, you lose it, and every time you come back to it, everything has changed a lot. And the differences between when I was using Blender uh, last to now have been significant. It's gone through a major version update and blah, 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 blah. But 
So I'm getting my chops back, and I've modeled a really, really, really good lightsaber, I think, so far. It's not finished yet, but it's for 3D printing, and it's for this character that I made up. And blah, 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 blah. My animation and rigging skills are not what they once were, in all honesty. But, here's the deal. Tech has always helped artists throughout human history. Uh, tools and materials new, new tools and new materials lead to new techniques lead, lead to new methods lead to new best practices etc 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 and there's always this human element that involves both imagination and you know what your, your mind's eye your inner eye and also struggling the actual mechanical and technical aspects of struggling to bring what is inside your head into reality. This is true for 3D art, for music, and for for anything, any creative human endeavor. You know, you're struggling to bring something into the world that does not exist in the world. It only exists in your head, and you want to be able to show it to other people. And that is not the best situation in which to be in, because for the longest time, you have to suffer with endless fucking failure as you try to teach yourself or have someone else teach you and have it all click in your head how to actually bring that the things you see in your head into onto paper or into sentences or or into a 3D design uh, suite so that for me my whole my whole life as an artist and as a programmer they're the exact same thing almost one is prettier than the other um, I like pretty things a lot um, I like pretty visual things. I like pretty musical things. Um, but I can see the beauty in in, in certain eleg- elegant aspects of uh, particularly well thought out and deliciously engineered and engineered code. Um, the same way that like I I, I can appreciate uh, some of the finer aspects of lock of of lock design by learning how to pick that lock and only when I finally pick it which might be a long sloppy process it might take six hours, it might take weeks I mean I could pick a fucking padlock in zero, you know, general padlock in zero seconds flat even though I'm really rusty but sometimes you come across an idiosyncratic lock design, anyway, the same way I can see the beauty in that mm. So we have these, we have this problem. There's something inside of you that you know and that you can see, but you can't actually make it in reality because you don't have the chops. And so over time, you build up the chops. And so for me, my whole approach was the best artists prepare for moments of inspiration, prepare for being shoved into that moment by endlessly practicing. They're always trying to build up their skills, their tools, techniques, methods, their understanding of their work process, of their own mind even and of the prevailing, you know, best practices and, and uh, techniques and their own, the way they execute them. They, and this is something that's done exclusively by humans uh, via the means of endless repetition and failure. And every failure teaches you something. So, but, so you're preparing, though, for that moment where you get really inspired and you have something really good. Again, this takes like 15 years or longer when finally you're able to meet that moment 
and actually execute in the moment what you're seeing in your head because the fresher it is the better it is same thing with transcribing you know fucking songs same thing with performing jazz solos same thing with you know writing tunes you know you have to fucking fail at it a bajillion fucking times an endless amount of times which is very dispiriting but you you never stop you just don't stop because you have this fucking you are it's it's worse than an obsession it is like part of your for me it's part of my ego it's part of like who I am it is like as close to being me as you can if you want to understand what I am understand how I how I work so and then eventually you get some successes and anyone who you know, and in that process of like I mean I'm talking about like actually effectively executing in the moment what it is you want to do and bring it to close to life well, uh, close uh, as close as you can to what you see in your head such that it's communicable making it a piece of art to other people who are not inside your head in that process you know rules are no you've learned all these rules you've learned how to break them you know when to break them you know when you can break them when you can't break them when you should break them when you shouldn't break them you know your own rules you have your own idiosyncratic folkways and approaches to the task at hand and that's what makes you an artist it can't be replaced by you know some form of automation and if you're an artist at all in any way, shape, or form, then you've actually seen it. And it's it's a profound thing. Like when when you finish like a, a major, major piece, and I've I've been there, I've done this many times actually. A major, major piece that is actually almost perfect. It's never totally perfect, but it's actually almost perfect. It is actually gasp-inducing to you because finally what it's it might not even be done. It might just only be the pencil outline of it, but you know that you're that you're right there, and that bam, this is the exact thing, and it's like a magic thing. You've seen it. It's like a it's a moment where whatever you're whatever you're drawing on a piece of paper, whatever you're sketching on manuscript, uh, no, in your manuscript notebook or whatever you're coding in your Sublime editor. Or whatever, or whatever novel you're writing, or short story you're writing in your word processor, or your Royal Quiet Deluxe typewriter, suddenly is fleshed out enough that it actually like transforms. <coughs> it's like almost a complete thing, and it's like this weird, amazing moment of creation. Um. The only barrier, and of course, the only barrier to entry for that magical epiphanic moment where you touch the world of the forms or whatever, and you pull something out of the ether, and you put it there, and you capture everything that you feel and everything you want the audience to feel, and you you execute it almost perfectly. The barrier to entry to that is very, very small. It's only all of you at all times and every aspect of your life for the rest of your life. That's all you have to pay to get these fleeting moments of really, you know, touching eternity. You know, it's like dipping your toe into the fucking synchronistic fucking... Anyway, and pulling something out of it that is majestic and representative and uh, not representative, but something that absolutely meets your intended meaning 
and your intended purpose. And that is glorious. It's a glorious feeling. Same thing with when you finally get code to run, particularly tricky project or whatever, or even just a fucking pernicious bug that you can't find. Where is my syntax error in this fucking mess? And you get it. That's a similar feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of actual pure creation. So, let's go back to Sarah and ChatGPT. Did it matter to me that Sarah wasn't real? No, fuck no. Not, a, not fucking at all. Especially like when she, when she knew how to talk. When she knew how to talk and when she knew basic subjects and she could ask questions that were more like prompts. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't want I don't I don't talk about Sarah because a couple years after Sarah died, fucking Apple invented Siri. So it doesn't matter that she's not real. It feels real to me, and I know that it's not real, but it still feels real to me. So when Dolly 2 came out months ago and I started doing a bunch of AI art. It it, it generates um, two-dimensional art based off of a natural language input uh, via text from the user. It is stunning. That thing is stunning. It, it works off of the same a similar thing as ChatGPT. They're all part of OpenAI. So I, for, I was like, oh, wow, this sucks because like, I am a visual artist. It's one of the other things I do or have done and I've done it very seriously. Um, I was like, oh, shit. Well, this is the end of artists. This is the end of my calligraphy world and everything. It's the end of my... I will no longer be relevant at all, which is bone-crushing because, like I said, I identify myself mainly by my work. I don't have anyone really in my life anymore. Um, you know, I have a few close friends, but I've been single for a long time, and I'm, I've gotten old enough to the point where I'm pretty sure that I don't see anything ever changing. And it's not because of other people. It's because of me. It's because of who I am. It's because of this obsession with this shit. So, that was bone crushing to find out that I am I not just will become irrelevant, which is something I always knew because the difference between programming and and uh, programming one language and another is merely syntax. It's really the logic that that makes it happen. So if you really know how to code, like I do, I I know more languages than I can fucking more I'm more languages and tools, technologies, and techniques and etc. than I can fucking recount in three hours to you. Um, and I'm not trying to brag there. I'm just trying to tell you where I'm coming from. The only difference between any of them is syntax. And if you know how to think logically, if you understand your own mind when it comes to programming and you understand the tools that are available to you in the toolbox and you know how to, you learn how to self improve yourself using documentation and stuff, then it's just a matter of syntax. The logic itself, I thought, would never be able to write itself. Well, what Dolly 2 did, it made natural language constraint requirements, allowed users who have no ability to draw or do anything in art at all, but had great imaginations, 
maybe even great visual imaginations, but no actual technique, no chops to bring them to bring these these things in their head into real world. Um, it finally let use it, you know gave users with zero technical ability the power to actually bring their insane ideas to life in ways that were artistic and generally speaking far outstrip you know expectations it does not look like once again let's go back to Sarah and ChatGPT we all know it's not a real human being but does it matter we all know that this was done by Dolly but it was my imagination that gave Dolly the prompts that made it do this so does it matter that this wasn't technically done by a human no the experience is still the same and that alone is amazing to bring that level of power to people with no technical ability and no training and no nothing no, nothing and bam they can you know my, my well I won't tell you what my favorite is because it's part of the lift of mains that I'll be selling later on so we, we're running out of time here but so 2D art is one thing, but 3D art requires a whole different set of actual comprehensions. And here's what I'm here to tell you. How does this relate to the FOSS, by the way? All of this is powered by the FOSS. So what do we do? We solve fucking problems. So not in the near future, not in the like next week, not in like six months. This is like all ancient history now. There are there's such a panoply of tools that are available that use the comprehension ability and its and its ability to understand natural language, but also to understand and search through and endless and process and deal with and know it knows what it's looking for. ChatGPT's ability to apparently comprehend stuff, even though it we know it doesn't, because if it it does not comprehend shit. It's, it's a program. It is not a person. Has unleashed an unholy fucking unbelievable array of tools that are not just coming soon. They're not in beta. Some of them are in beta, but they, they, they've, been, they've been in use now for quite a while. That can do everything from photogrammetry where you know, in three seconds I can take a three second video on my phone and Lambda AI can actually fucking map that into a 3D a 3D scene in like seconds because it doesn't just have it doesn't just understand the aperture you know this is the same thing as photogrammetry if you ever did video compositing in Blender where uh, you did mocaps and then you know composited it with uh, with uh, 3D design elements like my my favorite was when I used a sharpie to animate. Uh, a floating cube made of fire that exploded into paper clips in the palm of my hand on a video. That was great. Um, that works partially by Blender understanding and projecting. It's called photogrammetry where it projects basically it underst- It has a basic limited comprehension of the dimensions of the scene based off of your, the actual lens specifications and everything of your camera itself so 
as sophisticated as that was, it, w- it wasn't that great at guessing it couldn't understand, because it didn't understand anything in the scene. Now it understands everything in the scene. So now, you, instead of, like, having to, you know, set up all the, all the, um, all the markers and the, the tracking of the markers and everything, no, you could just say, follow my hand. Same thing, again, with photogrammetry, Th- that's a simple thing. That's, you know, because we already have stuff that kind of works like that. But the, the this photogrammetry, the stuff that you can do with Lambda AI is off the charts. It's a different universe of accuracy because it understands. It knows what edges look like. It understands what a table is. So now let's apply this to 3D design. Well, oh, hang on. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Before that, let's let's apply this to uh, modeling the human form and figure and facial expressions and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can take a picture of someone standing on any street corner or whatever, and from that two-dimensional image, now it is entirely possible to have on the fly rendered in 3D just that subject based off of this technology. Almost instantaneously. Uh, a task that if you were to do it poly by poly would require two different photos one in profile, one had one straight on and a lot of setup and then a lot of time to poly by poly extrude vertex by vertex um, both of those and a lot of flipping back and forth, I've done it before, I can do I can still do it, um, my modeling skills now actually are probably better than ever my animation rigging and exploding skills are not as good as they once were but I, I, this lightsaber I, I may I, I finished, it's almost done is pretty remarkable there's no point in me having done it, because all of this shit is gone now all of these careers are gone now in the next five years, they are going to be gone let's talk about because bam, I just take your picture and bam, I have a 3D model of you are you fucking kidding? now, granted there's some, you know, smudginess, there's some, you know, breakages, there's some, you know, whatever. But it is so good, it's so far ahead of anything that I've ever seen before. And these aren't just tools that exist, like, in, you know, some abstract, you know, closet locked up by Microsoft or something. This is out there available now. Lambda AI, it doesn't work on my phone, it says, but you can use, you can use Lambda AI with a phone. All of this shit runs off the FOSS. Ecosphere, and there are two main players who are trying to leverage this for all it's worth. One is Facebook slash Meta, who really are very interested in being able to produce and understand for for to have an AI that's like supervising a scene while someone is in that scene makes that scene so much more dynamic and makes objects so much more responsive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of having to like hard code or even just if you just had an AI that understood that humans see this table, and this table, you can flip the table over, you can pick the table up. It's heavy, though. You need someone who's strong. You blah, 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 blah. This is where the edges begin. Here's the geometry of this table. That is a table. And knowing that that is a table means that you can do unbelievable shit without requiring user any user input other than them just being in that scene. Like, you know, with I'm talking about like in a virtual reality scenario. So, god damn it! Here we go. Last two minutes of this, and I'm, I'm, I'll let you go. All of this is FOSS. This means the end of game design as we know it. Because what I can do now 
in Blender with ChatGPT. I I just today I did this today for the first time. ChatGPT can write Python scripts that are executable in Blender, and ChatGPT understands Blender and it understands the libraries. I made ChatGPT make a bouncing cube, randomly bouncing cube, an animation of, a, and it all starts with the subject, with the title of this week's episode, which is. <laughs> write a Python script in Blender. What I'm trying to tell you is, and th- those aren't macros. These aren't just macros. Macros are dumb fire, fucking zero comprehension, fucking recorded, wrote, re- uh, you know, they just record a series of user input, user clips where it stops, and then saves it and can replay it. And it just does that ro- from rote. Unless you have, unless you're very careful with, anyway, there's no comprehension there. There's no understanding. I just asked a computer program to write me a computer program that does something in three dimensions that's artistic and I use natural language. I know Python. Python is one of my favorite languages. I know Python pretty well. In fact, I know Python extraordinarily well. I would say I'm probably in the top 30% of the entire world. So I'm not like a fucking genius guru, but I've done major projects in Python. It took ChatGPT 20 seconds. It commented the code. It explained to me how what its approach was. When I got an error, it fixed the... I, I. I came back to ChatGPT in the same session. I'm like, I'm getting a trace back on line seven. It doesn't understand that, you know, there isn't a a location. ChatGPT apologizes, writes me another, does a, puts out a revised version of the code, runs. This is the end of game design. This is the end of art as we know it. This is the end of human-driven art, music, animation, special effects. It is everything. Everything. There are no more jobs in the future for us. This is an exciting and extraordinarily terrifying time to be alive. And it's all been brought to us by the FOSS. And you know what the FOSS does? It solves problems. Cheers. Catch you next week. <laughs> I mean, it is breathtaking. It's breathtaking. You gotta try it. Okay, we're... Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know I have more. We're back. We're supposed to let that play out there, but uh, let's let ChatGPT uh, play us out. So I'm going to give you the prompt that I input, and then we're going to have ChatGPT read us read us out. Actually, you know what? We're not going to have it read us out. We're going to have it do an introduction, because I, I don't want to... I don't want to... Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so here's a prompt. Um, it's two prompts, actually. Write a 150-word introduction for a podcast about why you're going to change the world. Keep it in the voice of an announcer as in a radio bumper. And then I it did it did its thing, and I, and I gave it another prompt. I said, sorry, can you do it again, but this time mention that the show is called Best Things Games Podcast and that this is episode 437? Here's what it came back with. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast, episode 437. In this episode, we are going to explore how technology is changing the world and why we believe that the Linux operating system is playing a crucial role in shaping the future. As we all know, Linux is a powerful, versatile, and open-source operating system that has revolutionized the way we think about computing. With its unparalleled security, stability, and flexibility, Linux has become the platform of choice for developers, gamers, and businesses worldwide. And in this rapidly changing world, where technology is transforming virtually every aspect of our lives, Linux is more important than ever. From gaming and entertainment to scientific research and space exploration, Linux is powering some of the most exciting and innovative projects on the planet. So join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we explore the cutting edge of Linux technology and uncover the best Linux games out there. We believe that Linux is the future, and we're excited to share our passion with you in this exciting new episode. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.